take lots of photos um, because photography, I think is key to self-improvement and key to um, who you are, like, you know, you showcase your portfolio, things like that. Um, I think key skills, I think you just have to develop in dentistry because it's just such a stressful environment um, is really resilience, um, determination, and just some um, like mental toughness. I think, I think you really need that. Like if, if you go into dentistry with this sort of um, mindset that, oh no, at the smallest thing, you know, um, you're not going to, it's going to be hard to do. Hi, CBD Junkie Dental fam. I'm your host, Lauren Stone, and today we are joined by Jonathan. He graduated from UQ in 2016 and over the years pursued his interest in dental implantology through postgraduate training, completing a graduate dip in dental implantology, currently completing a master's research project in dental implantology at Ashton Uni, completed a one-year implant externship program from New York University, he is committed to staying up to date with the latest advances in field and completes more than 300 hours of education annually on dental implantology. He has received extensive training from renowned leaders in soft and hard tissue reconstructions. CBD Junkie Dental Podcast is about connecting with passionate Australian dentists who are improving themselves and have attended various CBD courses. My aim is to find out for you the best CBD courses around and what they did to help get them to where they are today. So you can consider doing it and becoming the best dentist you can be quicker. Hi, CBD Junkie fam. I'm your host, Lawrence Stone, and today we're joined by Dr. Jonathan Noon. Dr. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone, and thanks for having me, Lauren. It's a pleasure. So tell us about your CPD journey or dental journey so far before we dive into dental implants, which is your main focus for today. Um, well, I guess my CPD journey really started for me in university, um, you know, for everyone, I guess. And um, honestly, for my, me and myself, <clears throat> I actually personally didn't really like dentistry for most of my um, uni time. So from almost year one to year four during dental school, I really did always complain actually about, um, you know, uh, dentistry as a profession to my peers and my colleagues. So I think them seeing me, you know, uh, being more passionate about dentistry uh, post fifth year is really a bit of a shock to them because they would always tell me about the days where I told them I want to quit. So I think it's um, it's pretty funny. So I guess that's really where I started with you know my, my education journey in a sense because um, for me the turning the turnaround time or the the period where it really changed for me I think was around uh, fifth year <clears throat> the transition. I think fifth year really for for us anyway at UQ was a was very clinical um, and you know more hands on. And during that time when when I graduated I graduated in two thousand sixteen. It's probably uh, not as popular now anymore, but, you know, back then social media wasn't really Instagram for us. It was actually Facebook and also, you know, just websites and blogs in general. And um, one of the more famous, you know, organizations back then was actually Star Italiano. And, you know, the only thing I could relate to back then as a fifth year student, you know, doing the procedures was really just composites and how to do composites really well. And Star Italiano back then was like, you know, the, the bomb you know that's how everyone would talk about and imitate and you know i would, I would always read all their their blog posts and all, all their facebook posts and it was really cool because 
um, it really opened to me a window in dentistry I never saw. Um, you know, I always thought dentistry was just what uni taught me. I never really knew the big wide world out there and that, uh, you know, Star Italiano and, and them really gave me a view into, well, you know, how cool dentistry could be and how much more it really was, um, you know, other than university. So that, that, that really started inspiring me. And then finally, my, my, my first ever true non-uni <laughs> CPD course, I think was actually with, um, I think it was actually with Anthony Mack during my fifth year of dental school. And um, it was a composite course and, you know, he, he just held it at the local ADAQ center. And once again, that, that really opened my eyes up because I said, well, this is, this is amazing that you can do all this. You know, I never learned any of this in university. And, you know, they, they taught me so many, so many, well, he taught me many really cool techniques that I didn't even think was possible. So then I think from then I was like, oh, well, there's actually so much more to dentistry than I really thought. And, and from then that really inspired me to go, to, to go further and learn more. So I think <clears throat> that's where my, my CPD journey really started. And then from there, I guess, in my very first year, as you mentioned, you know, here, here I am now um, with, with a main focus more in, in implants and things like that. And people, a lot of people ask, I guess, you know, how did you get started in implants? And it, it really was a fluke. I mean, as, as you said, I'm sorry, I mean, as I said earlier with, with how I started, I actually really like composites. I really wanted to do, you know, really nice composites. And, you know, implant, my first implant course wasn't really anything. I never really came out and said, I want to do dental implants. And, you know, this is what I really like. I actually went to my first implant course course because my, um, my boss at that time in my first year, basically, you know, asked me to go and, and I went along and I went to course and, you know, they made it look a lot easier than it really was. And um, I wasn't confident yet. So I said, you know, I, I want to learn more about it. So I did, uh, you know, at least three implant courses before I even placed my first ever implant. So, you know, it did <clears throat> take me quite a while. And, you know, once I put my first few in it, it was fun and I, and I enjoyed it. And, and, and from there I said, you know, uh, I want to learn more. So then I started doing more and more courses. And I guess that really just sort of kickstarted my, my, my journey is in, in a sense towards, you know, developing that, that pathway into, into, into implants. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty big jump, right. Going from composites to implants. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, obviously a lot of clinicians that we talk to talk about other bread and butter dentistry along the way, but <laughs> how did, I mean, yeah, could you could you explain maybe that little jump from yeah there? um yeah fair enough that that does uh, I I see what you you mean there um well even in my first year I guess I never actually really did many implants I probably only did like you know three um in, in my very first year and then in my second year like <clears throat> I think when I did courses I never really had in mind like uh you know I'm not really doing the the procedure so much so I'm not going to do that course. For me, I think it was just like, oh, I just like to learn. So I'm just going to learn anyway. And I'm just going to trust like later, you know, it will come if that makes sense. Um, I think a lot of a lot of time as well, when you paid for a course, um, you're not only paying for the skill, but you're paying for the, the, the motivation that comes along with it. I'm, I'm sure many can can say that after a course, they're extremely motivated. So, um, you know, the, the motivation factor was, was big. Every time you go to a course, even if I'm not doing the procedure, the more I do, the more motivated I get, the, the more, uh, you know, the more into it I become. You almost, you know, basically develop that from, from going to more courses. 
So even though I wasn't really doing many, I, I still went for the education. And then I guess uh, <clears throat> um, in my second year, I did, I did more. And then I think for, okay, so for me, which uh, a tip later on is uh, I'm going to give is obviously I, I like to take photos and I always tell everyone to take lots of photos. So when I, when I take photos, I always show my photos as well. So I think my peer group or my, 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 my colleagues around me eventually sort of, sort of, you know, gathered that I, I, I've been doing more implants and, you know, they, they sort of, in a sense, trusted me a little bit more. And then they said, oh, you know, why don't you come help us? Or like, you know, why, why can't you, um, give us some guidance. So I went from like, I can't remember the figures, but went from three to probably like 20 plus in, in the second year. Um, and then my third year, I think that's my, my first ever um, sort of referral came in the sense that um, one of the implant company reps actually asked uh, one of their clients to, to ask me for help. So then I went to their practice and then basically, you know, I, I, I basically had my first sort of referral and then, it sort of kickstarted from there in the sense that other owners or other group practices would ask me um, to, to come into their practice to help them place implants. And then that sort of like, you know, became more of a thing in snowboard. I think that's right. like brief generalization of how I, <laughs> I got more and more into it. Yeah. yeah, as yeah, I said, yeah. It wasn't really like, I, I didn't force it. It wasn't really by choice. It sort of just, it just, that was just the journey that, that, that came, I think. Yeah. Just naturally in a sense yeah um, but, but not that i didn't want it like you know once i did the cpd i wanted it more like i wanted to do implants more i was like this is actually you know enjoyable i, I do i do like this it, it's fun and and then i went down that path if that, if that makes sense and again yeah. my, my, my conversation dream so <laughs> <laughs> okay so let me rehash a little bit so you're 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 unmotivated and then in, in uni in your final year you come across facebook and it introduces you to the world of style italiano you're yes. seeing amazing composites and then yes. that's complemented by the fact that are you going out or is the school providing you a, um, a cpd course to attend anthony mac because you're oh in yeah that, right? so that was a that was also a a huge opportunity so uh, i think i was only like three or four students that managed to reply to that email um you know and i was free at that time as well it, it was just all matched up so it's not like the whole cohort got to go um you know only me and like three other people got to go. And I think that that really helped. Yeah. And from then I actually went to another two more with ADAQ um, before I graduated. So uh, I think the new grads nowadays, they're, 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 they're really intense. And I know some of them are already doing CPD, you know, before they graduate, but you know, for 2016, I think I, <laughs> I was pretty good already, you know, doing, uh, doing a few. So I, I was pretty like stoked with the fact that I, I got to do some for free. Um, yeah what i even graduated so yeah i think i think i mean just on that point i think it's very um you know the university student bodies are definitely a great ground for you know graduates or, or students or even future dentists to be you know um learning it's like even my own experience uh, my student body at adelaide we were organizing side hill and um, to come in, we had Lincoln come in and then just talk and, and give CPD work, hands-on workshops and stuff like that. So I think it's an amazing um, eye-opener to what else is available outside of just the, the course. So that opens you up, you know, you attend Anthony Max one and that's just game changer for you. That opens you up and you attend other composite courses. So at this point, you know, when does this photography start to kind of kick in? 
because you mentioned that photography was something that you were slowly starting to introduce and that's not cheap by the way at this point yeah like yeah so I've always I always did want to take photos and um funny enough what truly inspired me to to really start was back again to the Anthony Mack course because um after I did that course I saw that he was bringing in Javier um I'm not sure if you know Javier but he's with um he he's a he's a key opinion leader for, for GC and he actually helped develop the, um, Essentia, uh, GC mm. Essentia composite. And he's from Spain, I think. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's part of the bioemulation group and he's a very big guy in terms of, um, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, e-lab and things like that. Um, yes. so I saw that he was bring, bringing him in. So that ever since then I remembered his name and then, I never got the opportunity to go to that course because, you know, it's very expensive in my first year out. And I was like, you know, it's probably not for me. It's a bit too advanced for now. But a couple of years later, he was running um, online, online, um, what do you call it? Online, like webinars. Teachings, webinars. Yeah. yeah. So he, he did a photography one then too. And that was my first one. And then, uh, you know, that guy's amazing. I mean, um, like he, he, he makes his own animations because he, he had a previous role as an animator in the past. So like when he teaches photography, he teaches to like the, the core, you know, like he, he really knows it. Like he, he's so good. Uh, so, you know, for, I was really inspired by that. And then funny enough, as I said, that was just sort of a, a new him because of my first course I did of Anthony. And then that inspired me to, you know, get my own camera and start taking photos and, um yeah i just basically you know uh you know followed all his advice and, and got my own camera and, and went from there <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and so you started taking photos and this is how you kind of get more kind of uh cakes acceptance you kind of seeing things that you maybe not have had the time to see just if you were just doing the checkup and clean um really quickly um and then you're slowly starting to incorporate implants um into your practice so how does this kind of come about? Is it that your mentor, the practices, um, you had a mentor there that's kind of helping you out with it? Because obviously, you know, there's no real implant courses as we, you know, graduate, right? As in, sorry, let me rephrase. We don't learn implants um, hands-on per se at uni when we graduate. So how do you kind of incorporate that? Oh, for me, it was actually really hard because I never really had a hands-on mentor like right next to me showing me how to do what. Um, so it was, it was tough and, you know, (laughs) how do I say a a lot of people are are quite blessed if they do have one. So it it makes your life a lot easier. And so I think for me, really, I relied on asking the people around me questions. Um, so I never really had one mentor where I asked all my questions to. So, you know, for those of them who have mentors out there, be grateful because it's, it's great to have one. And so when I, when I, uh, how I learned was basically, um, you know, messaging the specialists around me and, and having a group of people I could just message and, you know, show x-rays to, show photos to, um, you know, message the people who, you know, I did courses with and, and ask them about, you know, what would I do for this case? And it's sort of piecing the, the puzzles of the, the, the jigsaw puzzle yourself in that sense to, to, to find out. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, it was a, it wasn't the smoothest journey. Uh, it it took, takes more work that way. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you pick the implant courses that you're attending to, um, you know, further your study on this? 
Yeah, so at first I didn't pick knowing what to pick. I just did whatever in that sense. And I guess this is part of my advice um, because now in this day and age, especially in 2023, the problem is not that you don't have enough information. Um, the problem is actually we have too too much information and that's what is, is a big issue. And it, so it's not about like, oh, can I get information? Um, it's more about clarity about what information is good. And I think that's a big reason why dentists nowadays are doing a lot more. And then you hear dentists that uh, in the older generation, they say, well, you know, I, you know, for 30, 30 years of my career, I never placed implants. And then these new grads now are placing implants like two years out, like that's crazy. Right. But I think it's also because of the fact that 30 years ago, you didn't have the internet. You didn't have like, you know, a billion times more webinars and resources and just accelerated courses, you know, back then to learn implants, you had to fly to, you know, Sweden or whatever to, to actually learn how to do it. Yeah. So now it's like, um, it's like the modern day athlete, like you say in Bolt, he can run 9.58, you know, <laughs> compared to, um, you know, the previous record holder 40 years ago, who only ran a 10 point, like technology develops. Um, you know, like you can do CPD at home now, like, you know, on your own, like model, you know, so it just, all this innovation and technology just accelerates your learning so much. And, and with that comes volume, as I said, you know, there's so much learning out there, as you said, how, how do I choose? And I always, I, I think at the start, it's really okay because as, as a new grad, like any course is almost good in the sense that you're going to learn something, right? Um, but as you develop further in the path where you want to learn and you want to be really good at something, I think it's good to have clarity um, of, of what's good. So my, my philosophy to that is really um, go, go to the source. And I always say this to my, my friends and colleagues, because if you imagine knowledge like a waterfall, right? Um, you know, the person who made up the technique or made up the procedure or, or done, has done all the research knows the most about it, right? He, he, he's the one who developed the technique, does it a billion times more than anyone else. So he's what I call the source. <laughs> and then, then the source of knowledge from him falls down from the waterfall and then goes into the river and the creek. So from me, I've always went to the source. I've always said, who's the person who developed the technique? Who's the best at this? And I just go to the course and do the course. And that's as, just simple as that. Um, it, it doesn't have to be the exact best, but you get my analogy. It's just got to be a top, top tier educator in that sense. Uh, and you can compare that to someone who's learned that technique from them and taught that course because I've sat in both courses and there's little nuances or, or little bits of um, that, that they miss out, you know, and, and, which is critical. So I always like to say, like, if you want to be the best at it or be really good at something, it, it, it's really important to learn from, from the top, top tier educator. Like, like I'm saying if um, this is not for all of dentistry learning, like if you want to really be advanced at what particular path, you know, like if you want to learn how to do like just general dentistry, that's like, doesn't matter almost yet. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's more for the advanced pathway as, as, you, as you go further, I would say, if you want to be really good and, and know more about something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Going, going to the source is, is a really good uh, fallback in terms of choosing your education. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, because for a lot of graduates, when they come out, they may not know the source because exactly. they're not familiar with all the names, right? Yes. You know, they'll have to attend something, maybe like a weekend course or something. And then there's like a, like a mention of it, but then they might see the mention, but they don't actually think that's a, 
actual person that's still alive. They're thinking that, you know, that's someone from, you know, decades ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's why I said, yeah, as a, as a new grad, I think it's hard to, to know that. Um, I think when when I, like how I did it was basically every every single name I heard, I literally Googled. I was like, well, who's that guy? Who's that guy? And then just followed the, the trail. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it is, it is hard. So I don't expect new grads to really know that. So um, I'd say that's later in their career. You know, at the start, I think anything is good. Like any education is good for your career in the sense that you're learning. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. more if they want to be really good at something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And is this what leads you down the path of going into the grad dip as well? Or uh, honestly, for me, the grad, okay, so that's the, that's the difference, hey, because a lot of people, they, they, the, the structured learning, like you do one year course and you do a lot, and then there's, you know, short courses. So for me, to be honest, um, I never really did the structured learning and even really the grad dip was came way later in my career. For me, it was actually um, doing these, you know, three to one, three days to one week courses from different educators. So literally I went to learn you know, the best technique from Istvan Urban, then you learn it from Otto Zur, then you went to learn it from, um, you know, Sasha Javonik, and then you learn it from, you know, Danny Boozer, and then you've learned like, you know, the best technique from each best educator, and then you sort of amalgamate it together, and and, and that's where I learned it from. So I, I, for me, it wasn't that I did one, you know, massive three-year course, and then, you know, that's it. For me, I just did a lot of, you know, shorter quality courses in that sense then after that i was like well it's still good to have a, a title right so i was like oh i just did the grad dip so the grad dip for me really was just for just having the title in the sense but i still really enjoyed it because um it's a very research focused one and i i actually enjoyed the research process it, it's quite fun so yeah yeah because i mean like you said they don't, may not have a lot of these course um patients that might come through straight away to implement everything that they're learning. So why, how would you kind of um, communicate that to, you know, a recent graduate that's like, you know, these, these weekend or three, four, five day courses where it could be thousands of dollars and maybe um, they may not get um, that back straight away or, you know, soft tissue is definitely a big leap in one sense, um, for, for a recent graduate who are maybe, you know, two, three years out. Yeah. So that's what I would say that actually I, I missed some uh, part of my advice out is as a new graduate, all my first courses are actually communication courses. So I think that's the number one thing you should focus on as a new graduate coming out in courses is I think I did, I did like at least four to five communication courses and I bought all the books, you know, so um yeah, I think that's highly important. Um, it, you can't, yeah, you can't do what you said without having the communication background. Did you say um, you bought communication books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what kind of books would you be willing to drop? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I bought Ash, Ashley Later's book. Um, he, he's a guy from the UK. And I also bought um, Frank Spear, um, The Art of case acceptance he's very good and i don't know why but his book went from 30 bucks to like 150 <laughs> i have no idea i think he's maybe stopped publishing or whatever but yeah um they're both really good books and and i really do um you know enjoy both of their techniques so uh yeah and then i think it what what works really well is if you have a case that is right after the course 
So you line up like you almost go to the effort of lining up a case after the course that you learn, because that is the best of both worlds combined. Like you, you, you get hundred percent optimization of, of your learning. If you do that um, compared to if you do the course and you don't do the, do it for a while, which is poorly optimized. <laughs> um, yeah. You learn best if you, if you line the case up after the course, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. I think, I think that is definitely one of the things that I find as well with um, recent graduates where they might be going out to go learn and upskill, but they don't actually have the patient base yes. to kind of complement it. And yes. so then it doesn't become yeah. um utilize it just becomes knowledge but yes. you then it just fades yes um yeah that's very true um with that being said as well i guess in that sense i would advise to at the start not to focus too much on one because like even though i said like i did do that i don't think it's the best way it's probably better to shotgun it and then just work out what you really like and then go down that pathway that suits you yeah um, because i think Later on, we're going to talk about it too, but, you know, what doesn't really work well, like what courses, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, how does Aston University's um, or New York University's um, externships, or how does that all kind of come about in, in the grand scheme of things? Um, well, yeah, it, it for me, it was really more of like a the finisher <laughs> like you know you know i've you know all gather all the knowledge you know all the all the um the, the hands-on experience and then really at the end then it, it is like you know here here's really like the uh, a structured postgraduate title in that sense um so for me that was my my um what do you call it my, my my organization of how things went and i know people put that first which is fine um and i don't think there's one exactly right way to do it i think always work um whether you do that first and then do other things later so i think um for me that that was just like it's not the end of my, but it, it is to a like the, the later part <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. education never ends you know <laughs> yeah yeah I, I guess it's one of those things where it's like you take away something and then you apply it and then you realize that you once, even if you were to go to learn it back again, you will still take something else away from it. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. So graduates also talk about how do I pick the right implant system, especially if I'm an associate at dental practice? Yes. Um, it, that's, that's a very good question. And, uh, I'm very biased about this, to be honest, because, um, you know, obviously I, I do education myself and I do speak for two implant companies in particular. So um, <laughs> with choosing your implant system, I think the number one thing, okay, there's no number one thing. There's a few things. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have an order, no specific order. Yeah. It's random. Um, but staying as in part staying as a uh, you know non-bias is number one i would say you know having support from the company um and having true support um not like some companies can be really salesy and you can sense it like really aggressive really salesy pushy um and they don't even give a damn about like you know what you end up in later like it's they just want to sell so i think it's really important to find um, a company of really good support um then also I think it's important to know 
like ask other clinicians about their experience because a lot of the times on surface level implant companies may be very attractive for particular reasons because their workflow is so simple um, and very, very easy to use. But if you ask more people, you know, deeper insights on their system, you might find out that there is not as easy as it seems and it may, might be more complicated. Um, so I think 100% you should, you know, ask other clinicians about their experience and, and one who's used it, you know, you know a, a fairly medium amount. Um, also, you know, choosing an implant system that I think can cater to you as a, you know, start like starting out um, in terms of having this, some, some, some simplicity helps a lot as well. And, um, you know, I, I actually really like to collect, I'm a, I really like to collect implant clips. It's really weird, but I have a stack of them. So I make it into like this uh, uh, Christmas tree, you know? Um, so I have the, blessing to almost try you know a lot of them out there um so you know i guess speaking from experience it, it is those those are the, the important points i i found you know useful useful to me yeah yeah would you say that there's no one right implant system like i think in my own journey i find that you can't just buy one like you hear about guided, non-guided, you realize that you end up buying more than one kit to complement both kind of um, uh, to, to, to implant, to complement your implant journey. So for me, I've developed um, my, my protocol nowadays is actually have one drill kit for any implant system almost. And it's basically me using the Versa osteodentification kit. Um, so I think I have like six of them and like they're small little things and they're really, really good because they're tiny, right? It's not a big thing. Mm -hmm. And basically I can use that system for 99% of my implants, um, in the mandible, it doesn't really work as well, but I don't use it in reverse. I use it in forward to cut. And then whatever implant you want to use, you can just use that drill, but then use that implant systems driver to put the implant in. So in that sense, that is my universal kit. So that it's not implant, but it's an implant drill universal kit. So that that's how I, I approach it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. Secrets yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, um, I don't, in a, speaking in a non, are we recording this whole sec, whole thing or? <laughs> you can tell me to pause if you want. <laughs> well, if you pause, I'll talk to you in a person about what I think I really like, but I don't want it to seem biased for everyone. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's fair enough um let's let's talk about another aspect so you know there's you are a part of so many different study clubs you know ada iti asib you know iocr you know you're a part of the australian osteo integration society can you tell me about picking a study club and why joining a study club might be also good um yeah i think Picking a study club, uh, sorry, having a study club in general is just really good already, um, no matter what it is, because it's just an opportunity to network with your peers and your colleagues. And, you know, you just meet people and you connect with people, you just learn so much and that there's just great topics out there. So, you know, when I, yeah, when I graduated in my first two, three years, I, I made an effort to almost join as many study clubs as I could, like, you know, as a guest or as a member, just to, you know, learn more because it's all CPD at the end of the day and you're meeting people as well. So um, how to choose one, it's hard to say unless you like a particular topic. Um, I know there's, you know, general study clubs. 
um, that, you know, for, to the cater for everyone. Um, so I guess it depends on, you know, the individual, like, you know, if, if you're a general dentist and you just want to look at everything, then just join a general study club, you know, there's quite a few like that. Um, I mean, implant wise, um, yeah, I love the AOS because that's, that's what it's all about. You know, it's about implants and, um, being part of the committee, you know, I really, I really like that as well because, you know, it gives me an opportunity to, um, organize events and, and I, I really like organizing events. So, yeah. So, I mean, outside of just implants, you do do like oral rehabilitation, oral surgery, soft tissue, that kind of stuff as well. Can you talk to me about how you kind of went into that kind of aspect of dentistry? Um, <clears throat> oral rehab, I'd say, is not really something I do as much as implants. Like I do do it. It comes along, but it's not a huge focus uh how it came along i think um honestly a lot of yeah a lot of patients that need implants also need oral rehab <laughs> so yeah. in conjunction you know you, you 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 need to do both and you know that's where i actually got a lot of my oral rehab cases rather than someone coming in needing a pure oral rehab with no implants that was definitely a lot rarer for me um so I think that's where I got the cases from um, at the start because they needed implants and then they needed oral rehab as well. I'm mm -hmm. just going to do it uh, at the same time simultaneously. Um, yeah. Yeah. And is that um, just, were you doing anything to complement that um, in terms of understandings so, of occlusion, you know? Oh, no, hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So I've, yeah, I did, I did heaps of courses on, on, on that as well. Yeah. Like I, I didn't do just implant courses. I did, I did a lot of other, like general courses at the same time yeah <laughs> a lot yeah yeah um are we talking like weekend kind of courses we're talking other long oh courses? um both both yeah i did some online module ones as well so um occlusion design you know that's a that's a big online module one and i did you know almost watch a lot of um you know frank spears work um yeah so i went to a lot of you know, rehab courses as well, which are, you know, a few days. So it's sort of amalgamation of everything as well. Yeah. yeah. But I, did do, I didn't do like a, a restorative degree or anything like that. No, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, with digital dentistry coming, becoming so prominent nowadays, right. How do, how has that um, been for you in, in terms of, because when we were graduating, digital dentistry was not that big. Yes. And it's just kind of exploded. Yes, um, I, I love digital dentistry and um, I really do think 3D printing is the future. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually a really lazy clinician. Um, you know, I always like to find the shortcut. So I love shortcuts. So for me, like 3D printing, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that is the, the answer to everything. You know, like everything becomes easier. So uh, <laughs> just today, I actually sent a message to my friend. I said, this is really bad. I'll show you. <laughs> If we want to record this, I said, hey, you know, you're spending the money on the wrong thing. No more composite courses. I said, everything goes into 3D printing from now on. I said, because, you know, why why you want to spend six hours doing composite chairside when you just print it out, right? <laughs> um, but I was like, yeah, this is this is the way from now. For me, when I saw that, I was like, all my money is going to 3D printing. I'm learning 3D printing to the max. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that's that's a that's a thing right now. So, I mean, how are you kind of learning 
that and complementing that yes. to your I, I I'm just getting into it I'm I'm not really um you know I haven't gone into it too much I've I actually only went to my first 3d printing course like a couple of weeks ago and um yeah I'm just starting my journey so I'm pretty fresh still in, in 3d printing but it's fun and it's amazing so you know I really do think that that is you know going to be the the future of, of dentistry honestly yeah 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 I mean, as an associate, I mean, does that, do you find that it's helpful? Because, you know, obviously some people, some associates would feel like, I feel like the oh, practice owner should invest in that. That it shouldn't be me or whatnot. I'm actually on the practice ownership side, actually. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's awesome because, you know, it, it helps the clinic. So, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll dive into that as well then. So, I mean, before we get into that though, so as we alluded to a little bit earlier, you know, what were some of the biggest um, challenges um, in your dental education and how did you overcome it? Um, challenges, eh? So I think in terms of, in terms of challenges, obviously everyone can't, like, unless you're a super GP and really talented, you can learn everything, but everyone, uh, no one can really learn everything, if that makes sense. So when I started out, I tried to learn everything because I wanted to know a lot about everything. And I thought it's important to know a lot. So, which it is, and uh, I did everything. So um, as part of my journey, like, you know, I did like PRF course with the inventor Shukran. I did ortho course. I did like ortho. I started ortho like residency thing, um, you know, you know, uh, started the whole first week. I started that, tried to do sleep apnea. And I think that's the three biggest things that I failed on. Sorry, the three biggest things I failed on. Um, I really never got into sleep apnea or ortho or PRF. It was just too hard for me. I think um, one, for, for the patient base. And um, two, it's almost impossible to get good at everything while well, you want to focus on like implants and rehab and concerts like no way so i think you got to really focus on one or two max things that you find enjoyable and then learn that well before trying to learn everything at once i think at the start it's good to touch upon everything so you know what's possible and then you know pick a journey you enjoy and and, and learn more about that so i think for me at the start my struggle or challenge was not really knowing was my niche or what I really enjoyed and, you know, just struggling to develop more in areas that I really tried hard to develop. I think at one point I was trying to tell everyone that had sleep apnea. <laughs> like, you know, your story got sleep apnea. I think we need to make an OSA. I, I mean, a, a MAS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like, because for a lot of graduates, they probably come out and they look at the senior um, dentist and they're like, you know, they're doing everything under the sun. And there's like, I need to be like that. <clears> so, I mean, to your point, may, maybe it might be because we're so early in the journey right now, it might be that this is the aspect you kind of focus in on now, but then later you might touch up on those other aspects. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's, I think it's completely fine. You don't need to do everything well. And I think honestly, the trend where it is going nowadays is people pick their niche and just pick one or two things they, they do really well. And um, uh, <laughs> it's another random philosophy, but I, I say it's like, um, like an option A and option B, you know, option A is you just focus on one thing. You do it so well that you're just so good at it and you can go really, really far with option A. Option B is you shotgun it and, you're really good at everything, but you're not the best. <laughs> um, so at the end of the day, you fall short of 
um, like, I guess, uh, like difficult really, cases maybe or really excelling down. Yeah. Like for example, like the TikTok guy who just does one thing, you know, like what do you do for a living? And that's all he does. And that's, you know, he just went so far in life. <laughs> it, it's like, like a really, really sheer focus, I guess. So I think it's almost better to focus on one thing rather than do everything at a mediocre level. Yeah. <laughs> if, if like if you're a dentist that it's finding it hard to do everything really well, I'd just say just focus on one thing and do that really well. But you know, not discouraging those people who are just so good that they can do everything really well. If you can do everything really well, please like go for it. Like, you know, that that's perfect. Yeah, we're all different types of humans. Yeah. Um, so as a clinician, um, we all reach a point where we start to contemplate practice ownership, being a specialist or being a, a super dental GP, or even starting to think about, you know, a family. Can you share your thoughts on that? As you've alluded to, you end up down the route of practice ownership. Yeah, look, um, that's such a hard question to answer because, you know, everyone's such in a different situation in life and there's so many different factors, but I think it you can't do what you do if you don't really have like, you know, true, true passion or you really enjoy what you do. You, you're just going to stop halfway. So I think, um, you know, it, 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 it's sort of, you got to look at all the factors, you know, like, um, you know, family, like how important is family or, and having kids uh, versus, you know, your career, um, you know, and, and whether, whether one can come first and one can come later. Um, uh, and, you know, some people just, really dedicated to the cause and you know they just do one thing really well and they become a super gp or um you know just a, a dentist who's really good at one thing and, and they can go all the way um and that's fantastic so i think you just got to ask yourself really well like where do you want to be and is it really worth it and you know is it is it worth the sacrifice yeah <laughs> yeah uh, you know for example practice ownership right like not everyone like a lot of people might do practice ownership for the wrong reasons like many people say you know like autonomy or because they see other people doing it you know but if you don't enjoy it then don't do it you know like there's probably a lot better ways to achieve what you want to achieve without doing ownership like if you want autonomy you can probably find a practice which gives you autonomy you know if, yeah if you want finance well like you know there's heaps of other avenues of finance but if you truly like business for what it is and just like that, then that's perfect. So I think you really got to just dig deep and ask yourself, what do I really enjoy? What do I really want to become? And, you know, I don't think everyone has that answer right off the bat. And I don't myself. You know, I'm, I'm always, always asking myself that question every day too. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I don't want to throw you on the spot, but yeah, a lot of people, um uh, clinicians uh primarily right but they don't yeah. have a business background so how do they know if this is um if exactly for them or not yeah 100 yeah so i mean so these were the questions you're asking yourself basically you're thinking you know is am i going to be able to to do it um is is that what you're saying like you're just like Ah, sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth, but you know, what would you say? Well, you because you're alluded to, you know, you're diving really deep within yourself to kind of figure out if this is for you. So, what were the some of those driving factors for you? Oh, for myself, right? Oh, yeah. for me, I've actually always like before I was a clinician, I actually really like business. So that that was me before I even did dentistry. Like even back in high school, you know, it, I I was reading you know books on that. So 
I, I really like that was already a passion of mine. Yeah. So for me, it was sort of a no brainer. Like, you know, it, it was going to be there one day. <laughs> um, it was just something I really thought I, I would enjoy. So that's why mm-hmm. I went for it. Yeah. But for, I guess, you know, a different individual who, who, who might not like that idea, then yeah, it, it's sort of like, you go really ask yourself. Um, yeah. It, like being a clinician, honestly, was a big surprise to me. I really did not expect myself to be a clinician. Like uh, in my head, uh, it, as I told you, you know, in dental school, I, I didn't really believe in myself much. I, I was actually thinking in my head, I'll probably just refer my crowns out. Like I'm so bad at doing crowns in uni. I was like, Oh, I'm just going to refer them. Like, I'll just get someone else to do them for me. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's how far away I was. Yeah. <laughs> I wow. really, okay. it really was a different path than, than I expected. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can talk to yourself, your younger self yeah. you know, now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced when opening up your practice and how did you overcome that? Um, biggest challenges I would say, um, oh, that's a good question. I would think that dealing with the existing patient base um, was a big challenge because the existing patient base, um, you know, it, it, it was an older dentist. So it was, it was a takeover. So older dentists have different treatment philosophies and just changing the mindset of the patient to modern day dentistry, I think it uh, was a challenge and still is a challenge. Um, uh, yeah, I would say that was my, my, my biggest challenge, you know, changing the, the, the style of dentistry, not, not just in the patients, but also in the equipment and everything. Just, yeah, just, yeah, I would say that that's the main and biggest challenge for, for, for us. Mm-hmm. And so how did you kind of come overcome that? Did you have to, was it was a slow glide um, or a lot of, know. a lot of education to the patients, I guess. And I think bringing in new and modern equipment also helps like, you know, the patients who have been an older dentist, they will see the new modern equipment, but, oh, wow, you know, that never even knew this scanner existed or, you know, well, you can 3D print, that's, that's insane, you know, like, you know, like, and they're like, oh, you know, no wonder, maybe that's why they do things differently now. And, you know, just having an intraoral camera already, like people thought we're like, you know, living in the future. So um, yeah. I think like that really helped to communicate. I think photos, like showing the photos, like really helped to explain um, and get over the, you know, the, the, the different treatment philosophies um, of past and present. Yeah. I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong. Like even today, sometimes when I'm taking intraoral photos, uh, like intraoral camera photos, people are thinking, are you taking an X-ray? And I'm like, no, 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 this is not an X-ray. I'm just taking a photo. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Yeah. So um, how do you go about building your team of staff and associates? You know, what kind of qualities do you kind of look for when hiring a new employee? Yeah, look, um. I think the biggest thing for, I think staff, staff wise, um, someone that is, you know, uh, very, actually both uh, open to learning. I think that's a, that's a big one for us. Like um, they, they want to do more and, and learn more. They're actually passionate about learning because learning is actually one of our uh, core beliefs in, in the practice, you know, part of our, um, you know, our, our practice, uh, what do you call it? Our practice, um, uh, values and goals so you know learning and, and, and always learning I think is great and then you know having initiative is is fantastic um, you know in 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 the employees um, and then in, in dentists I think um, just having you know uh, 
the drive or to want to learn um, and being passionate about the industry, I think is, is a big, I think key factor. And also not, not just um, saying they are, because I think a lot of people say they are passionate, but they don't show it, um, you know, because everyone is passionate when you graduate and you write on your resume. <laughs> um, but, you know, like if, if I see something that shows their passion, like action, I think that speaks really loud. For example, they said, you know, I've done like, you know, three courses already, you know, and i got a camera. That's like, wow, this guy's like actually passionate. <laughs> um, <I am. laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Like they're, they're, um, you know, they're, they're very, and also very um, and open to learning. I think they've got to be very teachable. Like a lot of people are very stubborn um, and, you know, you try to teach them something and they don't want to adopt that method. Um, it, it's hard to, it's hard to get along, you know, hard, hard to, hard to progress, you know, you hit a roadblock. Um, yeah. Or they don't want to learn. You'd be surprised how many people don't want to put the time in to actually do some self-learning. <laughs> so like, you know, for me, if I give someone a book, right. And they go home and read it and then bring it back. I'm like, I'm done in a week. I'm like, that's the, that's, that's it. You know, that, that really shows uh, that they do want to learn. <laughs> yeah then you got to quiz them right to make sure they actually read it and not returned it within a week sorry you got to quiz them otherwise they're going to come back with yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good that's a good um that's a good point i didn't quiz them <laughs> gotta go back and quiz them now <laughs> so um clinically what's been the most interesting case that you've ever worked on and what did you learn from it uh, um that's a really good question most <laughs> interesting case um, I think for me, I think for me, the terminology is slightly different. For me, the most interesting case is what I call the career case. Yeah, um, sure. So for me, the career case would be like something that I have to almost like chuck everything that I ever learned into it. Um, so for me, there's this case where I really had to adopt all the principles I learned from all the like masters into one. So as I went along, I was like, oh, wow, you know, I'm so glad that I learned this to adopt this approach. I was like, oh, wow, I'm really, truly like bringing everything together now. Like, you know, I felt like the, the union, I was like, oh, you know, this is, this is great. So it was a really atrophic maxillary case. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I adopt the principles of, you know, horizontal guided bone regeneration from Siobhan Urban and then adopted the soft tissue techniques that I learned from himself and, um, you know, Otto Zer and, you know, um, Zucchelli and Shatan Javonic and all the courses I went to. And then also um, Myra Steigman and sort of like that case really required the skill from all of them because I used the tech, like basically their technique from all of them. <laughs> and then for me, I think that what wasn't, that that's what made it my, like most interesting case because you know i felt that i i got to bring everything together so yeah yeah no that's fair enough yeah yeah <laughs> i mean I, to your point like i guess you know if there was uh, i thought you were alluding to the fact that you know you might have hit some challenges but because you had learned something elsewhere you could implement that to yeah exactly yeah. And, and it was almost like as i was going along like it was a two-year-long case at least so during that two years, I was learning. So I was like, oh, yes, you know, finally, you know, I could learn this and do that. And I think that that helped a lot. So, I mean, yeah, I guess you kind of alluded to it already. So how do you kind of stay on top of the latest advancements and technologies in dentistry? 
Um, at the moment, probably Instagram, which is a bit sad because um, I'd like it to be more than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, most of the techniques I see nowadays on just social media, to be honest, I think social media is just really taking over like learning in dentistry and um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you can't learn from social media and stuff, but I mean, you can't really learn, but you can get inspiration and know what to do, you know, like, oh, you know, you can do that. Like that is possible, you know? Mm -hmm. So then you go find out how it's possible. And I think that's what, you know, how that led me to like, for example, you know, I saw a post on Facebook and uh, this guy was like um, doing prep same day and then printing out the temp same day. Um, you know, doing like, uh, what do you call it? Live, like live designing as in like designing was happening live as he's like, he was doing the prep, like he wow. prep, scanned the top arch, did the bottom arch and what was doing the bottom arch, the top arch was being like designed like on spot. And then I was like, well, you know, that's, that's actually possible. That's like, that is very cool. And I was like, I want to, I really want to learn how to do that. So you know, that's, that's my journey at the moment, actually. <laughs> I'm trying to, like, how, how do we, how do we achieve that? You know, how do we get to that, you know, 3D printing um, level? So, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. another, another realm of, to dive into, hey? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but has there been any particular CPD that you didn't feel that you could implement or was not as beneficial for you at the time? Oh, uh, I did that. I didn't implement. Yeah. hundred percent. So like, um, you know, like PRF, I just could not implement, like, it's just too much of a roadblock for me to, um, you know, do, uh, um, to just to do that chair side and, you know, just getting the equipment and telling the patient and, and taking the time, um, you know, to, to, to do that was just really hard. So I never really implement, implemented it, even though I did multiple courses on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and sleep apnea, like I could never really implement that. Yeah. Into the practice. What's who, who has been your biggest influences in your career path um, so far and why? Yeah, I would say it's probably um, <clears throat> uh, Dennis and Stephen. So Dennis Tarnow and Stephen Troop. Um, I probably look up to them as my biggest source of um, inspiration and like mentor, um, you know, he, he's like, I think he's, he's a, he's, he's a, how do I say, he's an OG, you know, in his field, like he's, he's a legend. He's just a legend, you know, like you can't get more legend than him other than <laughs> um, the creator of the implants himself. So I think he's, he's really, you know, I really look up to, to the both of them and they just do, they just, they're able to communicate concepts, complicated concepts in a simple manner. So I've always, always looked up to, to, to Dennis and Stephen. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Yeah. You know, on this journey, it's, it sounds like, you know, most of it's been on a fairly good high, but have there been any particular struggles that um, in your journey so far that some of our viewers um, wouldn't have known about? Um, struggles. Um, I can't think of any main struggles or setbacks um really that are major um i'll have to get back to to you on that question yeah, actually that's fine, that's fine. Back on that. yeah because i yeah yeah have a question um, on that one yeah yeah a lot of a lot of uh graduates think about are looking for mentoring you know yes. you, you already said it alluded to it already with some of the people that you would like to 
be hiring and stuff like that. But, you know, what would you say to them um, in terms of that aspect of mentoring? You know, people look at it, look, learning from fl- being a fly on the wall. Some people learn it from, you know, having their hand held. Some people learn mm. it from, you know, uh, frequent pep talks. Yes. Uh, as in like what's best or like what's the best way to achieve uh, mentorship? I mean, just what your thoughts on it for recent graduates in terms oh, of yeah. what they're looking well, for mentoring. I think everyone wants um, mentoring, which is fair. And um, I think that they need to also um, put in a lot of time as well to um, like, I think <clears throat> having, having the perfect mentor is, is like the dream. Right. Um, and it's having like amazing mentor. Sometimes, you know, there could be a, there could be a negative in some other areas for whatever reason, I know maybe income or whatever, you know, um, but if your income's really high, maybe if you're in a rural area or you're working for a corporate or something, maybe you don't have mentorship. So it's really hard to find the balance where you want really good mentorship and you're really good in work environment. It's like a dream job. It doesn't exist, right? Like if you're searching for a dream house, like you're searching for ages, you'll never get it. So I think that um, searching for mentorship is, is tough and I wouldn't rely on that if that makes sense. Like, it's awesome if you get it, but it's not the end of the world if you don't, because mm-hmm. it's incredibly difficult to find good mentorship and proper mentorship. Like um, talking, like they put their time in to actually teach you. Like they take that time out of their own work, sit beside you, and you know go through cases or you know teach you stuff. Um, you know the mentorship that most people do is, which is completely fair. You know I'm not saying this is bad or anything. Um, it's just you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's this case. Oh, oh like, you know, he, uh, you know, here's this case, like halfway during work. I mean, what do you think? It's like, oh, you know, just do this, do that, or have a quick pop in and have a look. I think most people do that. Um, and I think there's a bit of a uh, expectation difference between what new grads might want and what's offered in real life. So I think um, mentorship is the goal, but um, not the everything. So don't, I guess, go into a job just expecting like the best mentorship it's very hard to find if you do get it that's amazing so like you are lucky and you're so lucky and uh yeah (laughs) yeah i mean one of the things when i talk to people uh like recent graduates uh, that ask me that that question i always tell them you know um you just got to be transparent about it you got to be open to talking tell communicating what it is that you're after you know um, and maybe sometimes you won't know, but after you go through a bit of it, you have an idea of some of the things that suit your style. So maybe like I was alluding to, you might be just a fly. You don't actually need them to be there all the time, but, but you just need to be able to, um, observe them and then ask them questions or, and they have to be willing for that. And if they're not, then it might not be the best kind of pairing. Um, or another sense is like, they want you, you want them to be able to step in and help you out. But if you don't communicate to them. Yes. that's what you were looking for they will never know yeah 100 so like it's even better i guess if they ask you know what sort of mentorship do you offer but even then you'd never really i guess like it, it's never really like you, you know it's it's different in real life to to saying it you know so it, it's very hard to find um yeah amazing mentorship so in, in a sense I, I think i did it the hard way um 
you know, just this learning. And I think and also another way, it's a good way too, because, you know, paid education is sometimes get good education, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So what would you say your current uh, week looks like? You know, the type of procedures you might be getting up to or stuff you might be doing. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Can I just say one last thing is um, that's why a lot of people, I don't think you should rely purely on mentorship. I think you need both. Like a lot of people think, oh, perfect. I've got mentorship. I don't think I pay for actually like CPD. I'm just going to rely on mentorship. That's not the way to go. I think you should 100% like do, do both. Like, um, yeah, a lot of people think mentorship is the only way like to, to learn and they rely on that and it's bad because um, you can't learn everything from mentorship you need to put in some effort yourself you know what I mean like if you give it stuff you got to put some in yourself like you can't just be on a magic carpet and whew, you know it doesn't work that way it's not going to be spoon fed to you yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you have to yeah. actually <laughs> demonstrate that okay yes I'm willing to learn but actually go out and, and do it and, and learn and yeah 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 and so, and yeah. you know add to it Yes, because some people expect to be on this magic carpet where they go, and it's just, unfortunately, for 99% of people, it doesn't work that way, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize that until even when they start doing these long-term, like, courses, like, long-term courses, that it's not, the information is not just going to be spoon-fed to you. You actually have to go out and find it yourself. Like, yeah. it's no longer like university. Yeah, exactly, 100%, yeah. So back to that question, what yeah, is your current ideal, like, you know, week looking like, you know, the type of procedures you might be getting up to or stuff that you might be doing? Yeah. Uh, so just some clarity. Uh, when you say ideal, you mean like, I wish it was like that or what I'm currently doing? Both. I mean, what are you currently doing and, you know, what do you wish you could would be doing? So I'm currently doing around about um, two days a week of just everything um, all up and then about three days a week of um, more predominantly implant dentistry. Um, what I wish we'd be doing is probably um, some some more 3D printing, um, you know, doing some, <laughs> some 3D printing veneers and some 3D printing rehabs. Um, you know, just that's just so cool at the moment for me. So I wish I'd be doing more of that um, mixed in with some implants, of course. So pretty pretty simple for me in that sense. So nothing crazy. Um, happy to just do straightforward cases, honestly. I don't want anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, are you planning on attending other particular courses to complement that or are you just looking somewhere else for it? Um, I think at the moment we're in the test trial phase, like actually just doing more prac to just work it out. And then from there, I'll figure out, I guess, you know, what we're lacking in and then find a course or something if, if we're not really lacking, in, you know, I'm sorry, if we're not doing that properly to, to try to learn more about that at the moment, yeah. But it is hard to find, um, I guess, 3d printing um because there's so many variations out there so it's not you know it's not booming at the moment <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and um you know what would you hope to do on your non-clinical days i guess oh at the moment i really don't have that much time honestly between um you know uh practice ownership and then um running the society for the aos and um you know running our own education courses and things like that. So I don't actually have much non-clinical days, but uh, what I hope to do is probably, you know, exercise more, enjoy, like do more physical activity. Um, you know, what I do in my days off is I do enjoy hanging out with my friends and watching movies, um, you know, going hot pot, uh, 
and things like that. So, <laughs> uh, but I'm happy with that already. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I heard that you're a big Roger Federer fan. I, I am. I am a big Roger Federer fan, but unfortunately, he's retired. So for I was going to say, doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> so, so who, who do you enjoy watching and mimicking play now? So uh, I really don't like Djokovic. <laughs> so I, I just want to watch someone beat Djokovic. And unfortunately, it's not happening this year. And it, at the Wimbledon, he's currently dominating. So I'm very, very, I'm very, very upset. I want someone to come along and beat Djokovic at the Wimbledon, and I'll be very happy. And so for at the moment, I'm just rooting for anyone that can beat him. And that that's it. You know, I just want to see him beaten. That, that's all. <laughs> yeah so i guess carlos alcaraz hopefully he 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 beats him and um yeah yeah <laughs> you might have to wait another you know two or so years maybe yeah hopefully hopefully this this year at the wimbledon <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and um I, I really like carlos because um you know he, he had a quote that that really i think i actually said to some people was when i started this year which was last year 2022 he said I started this year just wanting to break in the top 10 and here I am being the number one in the world. And I said to people, I said, yeah, look, you know, you never know how far you can go. So I said, never, ever, you know, believe you can't go as far as you'd like, you know, that, you know, like, look at that. Like he, he didn't even think he could and he got to number one. So you never know how far, you know, your, your, your life or your journey can take into like when I was in university, my, you know, how do I, say? I never expected that I'll be so clinical. Like I'd be doing so much clinical. And even when my graduate, my first year out, I was like, I don't think in my career I could ever, ever even place a hundred implants. Like if I got to 100 implants, like that'd be my dream, like done, you know, um, mm. you, you just don't know how far you can go. Um, so, you know, that's another piece of advice I'd probably throw out there um, for the new grads as, as well as um, like along the way is dentistry is almost like a game. And I always say it's uh like a game it's pay to win so you gotta pay you gotta you gotta invest you know um and investing in education is never ever going to um you know give you a downturn it's not like the stock market investing in education is always gonna you know be be helpful for your career so i always tell everyone you, you gotta pay to win in in, in dentistry yeah <laughs> as as someone i listened to as well he says you know it's not about investing in the smp it's about investing in the sme Oh, I love that one. That's great. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you have any words of wisdom for the budding young dentist? Um, you know, some things about the key skills or attributes that they should focus in on mm. or developing. Mm. That probably was part of my words of wisdom in terms of, um, you know, investing and you know, paying to win. Um, other parts of probably is take lots of photos um, because photography, I think is key to self-improvement and key to um, who you are, like, you know, you showcase your portfolio, things like that. Um, I think key skills, I think you just have to develop in dentistry because it's just such a stressful environment um, is really resilience, um, determination, and just um, like mental toughness. I think, I think you really need that. Like if, if you go into dentistry with this sort of um, mindset that, oh no, at the smallest thing, you know, um, you're not going to, it's going to be hard to do a lot, um, you know, because every day some patient or someone's going to set it off and set you off like that. So I think um, you just got to build up mental toughness um, and resilience. It's like a sport, you know, it's like tennis, like Djokovic, you know, in, in the toughest moments is where he shines. And 
it's just like dentistry. Um, you, you really got to hold it in together because it's like a roller coaster sometimes. You just really got to have that mental Forty-two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on, I mean, I don't want to put any words into your mouth, but I definitely do think when I think about dentistry and and being a passionate dentist, it is about kind of being like an athlete. You yeah. got to look after your body. You got to you know put the hours in, the practice in, yeah. just be laser focused, um, and all of that above. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it, it is very very similar. Yeah, in practice. So, Focus. So, Dr. Jonathan, um, there's so many more questions I actually do want to ask you, but um, that's all the time we've got for today. I want to thank you again for coming on the show. But if you can let the people know how they can find you or what you've got going on in your life. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you can find me just on Instagram. And, um, you know, we're also <clears throat> running education events for, for dentists. So um, on my Instagram, on the bio link, um, you know, Dr. Jonathan NG, you can find, you know, courses that we run as a, as a education company, uh, because we want to bring in, you know, for me, I think from my journey, I obviously met a lot of, you know, great clinicians and great educators, and I want to pass that on as well to everyone. So, you know, the goal is really to bring in really top level education into Australia and, you know, teach um, uh, as in, sorry, like let people learn from these people, um, you know, the best. And so, you know, if you want to find out more, that's, um, that's where you can head towards to, to know more as well. So uh, we'll definitely leave in the show notes below. So for our viewers, if you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part, but don't forget to like, and subscribe, and we'll see you in the next episode of CPD Junkie Dental Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lauren. Appreciate it.